This is a Soulfire production. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, I am joined with Amy Morrison. She is a licensed professional counselor, LPC, and a wellness consultant who specializes in educating people on the nervous system, and even more importantly, how to befriend the nervous system through the use of the breath. She has so much to teach her clients. She had so much to teach me. I found myself so aware of how I was breathing when I was in her presence, even though we talk about self-regulation and our ability to co-regulate with the people around us. With the ease and the awesomeness that came from this conversation, it is easy to say that Amy's nervous system co-regulated mine like crazy. She gives you guys some great resources, books, things that you can look into, and also some practices that you can adopt at home to help start befriending your nervous system. The only thing that I wish would have been different about this conversation is that it could be longer. Obviously, that means we'll have to have her back on the show. If you guys have not already rated and reviewed the show, please, please, please head over to Apple Podcast. Don't go on a hinge date before they agree to to rating the show. Steal your mom's phone, steal your dad's phone, your sister, your brother, your cousin, steal everyone's phone. Give the show a rating because that helps guests like Amy come back to the show and get onto the show in the first place. I've been so overjoyed with the outpour of support from you guys. So thank you so much. Keep it coming. I love hearing from you and love hearing about the topics that you want to hear on the show. So I'll stop rambling. We will turn the mics on and enter into this beautiful conversation with the wonderful, talented, intelligent Amy Morrison. So we're talking about your first panic attack or your last panic attack. Yeah. Not your first one. Thankfully, not my first one. (laughs) I'm excited. I want to hear about it. Yeah. Oh, you're such a therapist. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me, tell me all about my legs. (laughs) Tell me about your panic attack. So I was telling Lindsay that this is an interesting story to me because I was having this, you know, the last time I had a panic attack, I was in my car and I just began to be flooded with all of these thoughts of all of the things that I had to get done. And I just felt this overwhelming sense of unease and intense arousal in my body and just felt so overwhelmed that, of course, like my body's response to that increase in cortisol, like my body's response to that was to have that panic attack. And so I lost my breath. I lost, um, you know, I was driving, so I had to pull over. And the ironic thing about this panic attack is that it happened like a week or two before I graduated with my master's degree in counseling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So in our you know conversation today, you had mentioned that you wanted us to talk about breath work and talk about the power of knowing the nervous system. And I like to call it befriending the nervous system. So like being kind to yourself and like actually creating a relationship and how all of that just wasn't clear to me when I was about to go and work with people in their stories, you know? And so of course I haven't learned everything I need to learn. I don't, I'm not like a full on like, Hey, I'm 
that I, I've reached the pinnacle, right, of knowledge with this. And I think it's really interesting how, you know, we can be in these positions and think that we have things figured out and recognize that our bodies actually have a little bit more to say. Yeah, that our, I, I, I just wrote a little bit on this and I think that you can correct me if it, if it doesn't go hand in hand, but how someone else's nervous system can kind of like downregulate or co-regulate yours. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's so important, especially in the work that you and I do. And, and even just being able to like regulate our client Mm -hmm. with our presence Mm -hmm. is huge. Mm -hmm. And I kind of associate breath work or, or the befriending the nervous system with that same thing, but Mm -hmm. something that I can do by myself. But if I'm not with somebody that can ground me, I have kind of this like, I don't know, secret tool in my toolbox <laughs> that's always at my disposal. Yeah. Yeah. So what you're naming there is called self-regulation. And we learn that through co-regulation, which is what we offer to clients in the counseling office. It's what parents offer to children. You know, and so it's something that is incredibly powerful and it's what teaches us to learn how to manage our disruptive emotions at will. So this is a term, you know, co-regulation is a term within the uh, theory of the, the polyvagal theory in the sense that it's a biological imperative. So it's something that we learn in order to survive. So we look to our caregivers, our attachment figures, to kind of bounce off of them you know, and it's so interesting, right? Because you've seen, you know, clients or people or even just friends and you maybe hear from them about like their moms and they're like, my mom is so anxious. And they're like, you know, this kind of person is like, you know, doing all these things and they're like super anxious themselves. And you're like, oh yeah. You don't say. (laughs) I wonder. (laughs) And, you know, it's just interesting because, you know, anxiety is one of the most contagious emotions because it dictates safety. So, you know, you think about it, even like in a herd of, of animals, right? If, if one gets afraid and like, you know, darts away, they all follow because that's like the safe thing to do, mm-hmm. you know? So we are like wired to, you know, seek out safety, seek out survival. And one of the ways we do that is by co-regulating and learning to calm our bodies or learning to upregulate if we need to, um, because of what we're reading in somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. So for me, right, I was obviously not very regulated. <laughs> I was like extremely stressed and going through a hard time in my life in general. And so, yeah, it's it's tough to sit with people and be calm in that moment, you know, and yeah. it, I think it allows me to have a lot of compassion on people, especially parents, you know, who come in and they feel dysregulated, you know, and that's one of the biggest things that we always work on with parents is you know, how can we help you self-regulate and calm your body so that your kids can kind of like bounce off of you? Because if you don't, things just keep getting escalated and that doesn't help anybody because then you don't feel safe and nobody learns and nobody connects. Yeah. And that's that kind of shared anxiety or that shared anxiousness. So one thing that you were saying was that you, during your graduate school, didn't learn much about the breath and in its ability to kind of calm the nervous system and that it's actually something that postgraduate school you've you've div- dove in dove in into yeah. you've dived yeah. into I dove, anyway I dove into I don't know yeah we're obviously <laughs> you know here not, we are. yeah we're not you, English teachers. you got into it after <laughs> after <laughs> graduate school yeah um what kind of turned you on to that or what sparked your interest and and led you down that path yeah so I 
in, you know, and so in my uh, experience getting my, my graduate degree, I certainly heard about mindfulness, right? I heard about meditation. I heard about like learning to just be more present and aware and connected to your body, right? What I didn't really learn was the science and the why behind mm-hmm. it. And what allowed me to connect to that a little bit more was actually connecting to a company called XBT. So within that company, one of the main pillars is breath. And, you know, within that, um, I learned through um, the performance director of XPT. Actually, his name is PJ Nestler. He's really a cool guy. He's incredibly good at explaining this stuff. He um, formulated a coaching program, you know, through XPT. So I got certified as one of the first coaches to get certified through that about um, almost three years. It'll be three years in March. And, you know, over the last three years have really do, like dove in. <laughs> there we go again. <laughs> there we are. Uh, jumped in. I don't know. Um to the science behind this ability of ours to connect and slow down and rest and move into that more parasympathetic state. So kind of learning more about the breath through XPT and learning more about that allowed me to step into, okay, I want to like kind of research and get into more of the science behind it. And then I uh, connected to the polyvagal theory, which is just one way of explaining um, our nervous system. Some people, you know, in the, in the field, you know, aren't as kind of gung ho about it. But for me, I think it allows us to understand um, and really create a framework, especially for clients of, Hey, you have created these patterns over time in your body's response to your environment. And these patterns, you know, the overall goal of your nervous system is to stay alive. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And so what I always say is we're always moving towards connection or protection. That's something um, a woman called Deb Dana talks about in her book, uh, The Polyvagal Theory for Therapists. And, you know, she discusses this, this aspect of our bodies um, are always moving towards that, right? So right now you and I are connecting. Okay. So we feel like safe with one another. We're in a quiet environment. We're in my office, there's greenery, but imagine if somebody came and was like banging on the door really hard, we would immediately stop connecting because we would be like, oh shit, like what's going to come to that door? Right. We need to survive. And so that's a pretty like severe example, but just think about it for our clients or for, you know, just people, you know, even if you're a coach or if you're a therapist or if you're, even if you're just working with people in the sense of like a trainer or if you're a teacher, you know, if, you know, our, our, you know, in our childhoods, we were really inclined to not feel safe then we're going to always be in that protection mode. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot harder for us to connect because we're so geared towards making ourselves stay alive. Yeah. It's, you know, it's kind of like um, when you have the example of, you know, fight or flight, the way it was explained to me first, mm-hmm. um, other than just something that we say because it's trendy. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Was the example of you're walking down a path in the forest, you come across a bear, you run, go climb up a tree, mm-hmm. right? You have that heightened mm-hmm. arousal. You have that fight or flight in you. Go climb up a tree. The bear leaves. Your body, your nervous system recognizes safety. You kind of climb down the tree and, and go on your way. But what would happen if you climbed up that tree and then the bear started circling it? Mm-hmm. And you were in that kind of heightened state of arousal for a long period of time what would happen to the body? What would your perceived sense of safety be? Mm -hmm. And now what if that bear, right? This hypothetical bear is, 
you know, a substance abusing parent that's home every mm-hmm. night. Yeah. And that the, chronic, unpredictable, like stressor, right? Yes. Like a chronic, unpredictable trauma like that we talk about a lot. Yes. And I think that what a lot of people don't see is like, we think of trauma or a lot of people think of trauma as like PTSD. Mm-hmm. There was this massive event right. that happened yeah. and these people have flashbacks and we've seen movies and we've seen all these things. And what we're what we're learning and what what the research is showing is like trauma doesn't have to be that it can be that sustained Mm -hmm. sometimes the bear is really nice yeah and cuddles you tell me more about that (laughs) well that's the thing that's really confusing and scary about this um you know like a you know in that environment for a kid or for even us as adults it gets very confusing right that's the chronic unpredictable trauma like aspect of that and we're kind of thinking about maybe like little t trauma right so big t trauma kind of like what you talked about with like a horrendous car accident right mm-hmm. little t trauma maybe these like small like unpredictable traumas that happen throughout your uh, life right and then it's confusing because then that caregiver is uh, can sometimes come across as safe Mm-hmm. You know, and so that is just like, uh, it's kind of unsettling for your nervous system because now you're saying this unsafe thing that I thought was unsafe is actually safe now. Mm-hmm. And so is my nervous system wrong, right? That's kind of like that idea of like gaslighting, right? Like yeah. you're almost like gaslighting yourself in the sense of like, oh, I'm crazy. Like, I can't believe I thought that or, you know, right. we're getting into the weeds a little bit here. But I think the important thing and I kind of come back to is that there needs to just be more education about breath work in general and about our abilities to just calm our bodies down and use our nervous system to, you know, help ourselves feel more safe. Cause so many clients come into my office and they experience anxiety and they think they're crazy. And I'm like, no, you're just trying to keep yourself safe. Yeah. Like you're just trying to keep yourself alive. And you've created these mental patterns that certainly need to be worked on. And your body has to feel safe before we can process through those, those you know, patterns that are happening in your brain. Yeah. So what I'm, what I'm assuming might come next is, is this idea that, or concept that the breath can return us to safety or give Mm -hmm. us something to grasp onto that allows our body to feel a little bit more safe. Yeah. And you mentioned this a little bit, you know, within the nervous system, right? So we have this branch of our nervous system called the autonomic uh, nervous system, right? So this is what is really involved in most of your automatic functions. It's a little bit of a misnomer because you actually, you can control some of it. It's not just all automatic, but this autonomic, your autonomic nervous system then moves into these two branches of the parasympathetic and sympathetic. We're not ever one or the other completely because we would be dead. <laughs> <So> we, <laughs> yeah. we need both in order to survive, right? Uh, the sympathetic fight or flight response is what has allowed us to stay alive. You know, it's pretty incredible, right? That having that stress response, if we did it, you know, like we would be dead. Uh, so then the, this parasympathetic rest and digest is also extremely necessary because we have to be able to like digest our food, sleep. We have to be able to like feel calm and rested and, you you know, have that higher heart rate variability, you know, all these things kind of related to that. And so what we know with breath work is that you can tune your body, you can upregulate or downregulate your body with your breath and move into that more sympathetic state or move into that parasympathetic state. So I think that's important to recognize because sometimes people, maybe they need to be more activated. They need to be upregulated, you know, because you mentioned kind of like the bear, the bear story, 
an alternate option is that the person just shuts down completely because mm-hmm. that feels like the safest thing to do. You know, play dead, right? Mm-hmm. Or a turtle, right? Like you move into your shell. And so that is a function of your nervous system, your autonomic nervous system as well. When the arousal gets so great, you shut down. Okay. Yeah. So breath is a really powerful way for us to move into those like different states as at will, you know, with our choice, right? That's a big piece of this is like learning to self-regulate yourself um, and learning to calm yourself. And oftentimes that takes co-regulation, right? It takes learning to co-regulate off of somebody else. And that sometimes that throws people off because they're like, does that make me like wrong or bad or needy? It's like, no, it just means that you need somebody else. It just makes you human. Makes you human. Exactly. And, you know, so there are various techniques that we can get into. I don't know if you want to right now, as far as like for kind of moving into that, like more parasympathetic and sympathetic state. Um, but yeah, that's, it's a pretty incredible thing, you know, that we're able to do that. Yeah. So I, I do want to go into, um, a couple of things that we can do. And before we do that, I, it just kind of piqued my interest, like moving into that sympathetic state, right? Like when is it healthy for me to, to kind of be in this hyper aroused, mm-hmm. um, kind of state. And I'm curious if that is the same as like practicing fitness. Cause I feel like cortisol, stress levels, mm-hmm. all of these things like mm-hmm. get a really bad rap and yes, for good reason. Mm-hmm. But if they're it's so necessary, but yeah. they're so necessary. Right. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, the way that I explain this, um, especially with clients who've been through trauma or who experience a lot of shutdown or dissociation, disconnection, you have to upregulate to move out of that state. So you are going to feel a sense of discomfort, potential anxiety, you know, like you're going to feel it's, it's going to be uncomfortable to move out of that shutdown place, that numb place. Right. Well, that's, that's safe. That's mm-hmm. what kept you alive. Yeah, exactly. Like it's so useful, right? And so oftentimes what will happen, you know, in you know, like a therapy session is that we will connect to that place and really honor it and then help using, you know, just somatic awareness kind of like move back and forth between like some activation and notice how that feels and then move, you know, kind of back and forth with that. But using like a faster paced breathing pattern um, and really just kind of like increasing body awareness is is really helpful for helping someone feel more activated um, Mm -hmm. into that, that more activated place. Yeah. Yeah. And then I am guessing here, but there also has to be some healing in knowing that I can get to that activated space and come back down from it. Like knowing that Mm -hmm. I don't always, especially for someone who, you know, that freeze Mm -hmm. response feel so safe mm-hmm. I could imagine that it would feel unsafe or different or uncomfortable to move into that heightened state of arousal mm-hmm. but some some healing in that rupture knowing that I can come back down yeah I can return back to more of an equilibrium yeah so the way that I oftentimes uh talk about it with clients is still again from Deb Dana you know from the um polyvagal theory and therapy i'm gonna keep referencing that book so put it in the show we'll notes. put it in the show notes i knew, it's, it's I knew a, that was coming yeah. <laughs> you've and, done this a time or two. Oh yeah no and so there's this idea of th- there are these three kind of nervous system states that are discussed within the polyvagal theory so 
the optimal state that we want to be in for engagement and learning and connection and growth is the social engagement system. And that is where we are in that more parasympathetic mode. Okay. So we're in that rush and digest. Our bodies feel like we can connect. You know, I feel like I can look at your face and feel safe. Mm-hmm. You know, my heart rate feels good, but as we increase arousal, we move into that fight or flight mode. And then as we increase arousal even more, right? So, um, you know, take the example of, uh, you, you are kind of, you were in the same vein, but, um, say you and I were walking down the street and we were talking and having a conversation, we were connecting and then, uh, someone starts walking up behind us. So I have this hierarchy of response, right? I'm going to turn and kind of be more, try to be social with that person and like see if they're safe. Right. Mm-hmm. And then if I determine that they're not, or if you determine that they're not, and we kind of communicate with each other, then we will kind of move into that, you know, more, okay, panic, anxiety, you know, stress, you know, do I need to fight? Do I need to fly away? Right. And so if those things don't work and the arousal continues to rise, my, our bodies will, naturally engage this shutdown mechanism where we'll move into disconnection, shutdown, you know, like this is the safest thing for me to do is mm-hmm. to just not do anything, mm-hmm. which feels strange for a lot of people, especially clients come in if they, you know, are survivals of even sexual assault or that kind of thing. It's like, yeah. wait, why didn't I fight back? Why did I do this? Yeah. Like what's wrong with me? And it's like, well, you just wanted to stay alive. <laughs> you know, right. you just wanted to stay safe. And so, the goal isn't to necessarily um, move back into shutdown or like move into like that disconnection. The goal is to move into that social engagement system to stay a little bit more in there, that parasympathetic state. Recognize that you move into hyper arousal where you get activated and you probably feel stress. You, you know, feel more aroused and upregulated. Like I feel that right now because I didn't get great sleep last night. And so, um, you know, I feel that way a little bit more this morning. And, you know, so I just am aware of that and connected to that. And I'm, you know, still, I'm already planning how I need to spend the rest of my day Mm -hmm. to make sure that I move a little bit more in that more kind of rest and digest place. Cause I know for me, I have this tendency to move into that <gasps> hyper arousal, you know, like activated right. place and then I'll get home and I'll just shut down and sit on the couch. Right. And I'll just be like, I, don't, I can't do anything. Yeah. When in reality, what I need to do is try to move myself back into safety, try to move myself back into that rest and digest place. Oftentimes for me, it looks like just, rolling out my yoga mat next to the couch, right? And just sitting on my yoga mat. That's more activating for me than just sitting on the couch because then I'm probably going to move into pigeon. I'm probably going to do some cat and cow. I'm probably going to stretch a little bit. And that's just so much better for me to feel connected to my nervous system Mm -hmm. than just simply moving into that shutdown place. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of connecting with the body Mm -hmm. and I'm such an advocate for implementing some sort of movement mm-hmm. um i was someone who the first time i sat in a therapist's office and she was i'm at one of my strategies right is i can intellectualize everything I yes can stay, stay up uh, you know I, yeah chin up yeah, yeah i can stay <laughs> in my head i can explain to you why i think i'm feeling this way and i can like ramble off all of these intellectual things mm-hmm so the first time a therapist was like well what does your body say about it like drop inside I like deer in the headlights. Like what? What? <laughs> Say what? Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. And so for me, adding movement has really allowed me to, to drop in and like maybe move 
with some of that discomfort instead of away from it or trying to intellectualize why it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that the breath kind of allows you to connect in that same way? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because not only does it create awareness, like so you have that brain-body connection, it literally is telling the body to calm down, right? So that's most of what I'm doing. I'm not really upregulating my nervous system very often because for me, I'm already, (laughs) I run pretty hot, you know, (laughs) I'm like, I'm good to go. Uh, I should probably quit drinking coffee, (laughs) Uh, you know? And so I know for me, what I need to do more of is to downregulate my nervous system. So I extend out my exhales. You know, I hum on my exhales a lot. I breathe into my diaphragm. Um, you know, I talk about this a lot in my, so I have an online program. And so we talk about like the nervous system and how to just kind of like be more aware and connected to it and use your breath to help you calm down. Um, so yes, absolutely. The Breath is extremely powerful for that awareness. You know, it's a form of mindfulness. Of course, it's under that umbrella. And it literally tells the body you're safe. You can move into this, you know, kind of more rest and digest place. Yeah. How does it tell the body that? Um, Just because the, it communicate, you communicate with the nervous system that you are safe. You know, so it even helps with digestion and lowers cortisol, lowers those that stress response. Um, because anytime we're breathing really heavy or breathing hard or breathing, I mean, even breathing in and out of our mouths is a, is a more sympathetic trigger. Yes. So when we slow our breath down, when we calm our nervous system, when we breathe into our diaphragm, when we're not breathing into our upper chest, it is a parasympathetic trigger. So that's how it communicates to the body that you're safe. So it communicates safety when you kind of let it know that you're okay. You don't need to be freaked out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like I tell clients all the time, like, you know, cause this is something I've connected to with my, within myself is like, is this defense mechanism necessary? Right. Like mm. is the way that you're so activated right now, like, does that actually need to happen? It's like, no, probably not. Right. <laughs> like you're probably, you're probably safe now. Um, hopefully. And so, um, how can you teach your body like that? It's okay to calm down and not move into that protection mode. Yeah. How would you do something like that? Cause I know, um, my first introduction to the breath was through Mark Devine's work. Yes. I love his work. Yes. Yeah. And I learned about it in like the context of the fitness space. Mm-hmm. Yes. Of where can, and, and I kind of started implementing it because at the time I was competing and. That more and like I was, carbon dioxide. And yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, in CrossFit, there were so many times where like, you know, um, Dave Castro, who's the head of the CrossFit games would does all the programming and stuff, all the programming, all these crazy things. He'd have games athletes come out and do this like crazy, like obstacle or workout. Right. And then try to shoot a gun. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Regulate. Yep. Yes. And so there was like people who were very, very good at it and people who were not. And some of the things that I would notice in watching is like that person like waited that split second. And like mm-hmm. took a deep breath so like, through the phew, nose, yeah. right? Or like really calm down. And it sounds very similar that like when we get into fitness, <coughs> excuse me, when we get into fitness, I catch myself all the time with those shallow mm-hmm. chest breaths. Mm-hmm. And it takes me arguably more time to get through the workout because I can never feel like I'm catching my breath. Yes. Whereas if I took that like, two or three second transition that I was already going to take between movements Mm -hmm. and like took a deep breath, found the nasal breath that I was able to like 
that quick pause allowed mm. me to finish so much faster yes. or allowed my body yeah. to perform so much yes. better. Yeah. Is that because of safety is like, how does, how does that work from like a fitness perspective? Yeah. So I would say that's more related to the, the sense of, um, it's, it's in a different camp in my opinion. Like I think it's, it may be related to just like kind of mentally feeling safe. I think it's more related to, which is a part of safety is that self-regulation. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. just being a little bit more in control and it could also be related, which also communicates safety is your carbon dioxide level and kind of managing that feeling more uh, comfortable in that space. Like, you know, so part of the work with, um, breath in the fitness space is increasing your tolerance to CO2. So increasing your tolerance to carbon dioxide. When you catch your breath in a workout, typically you are taking in more oxygen and offloading CO2. So you're kind of trying to balance out those blood gases because as you work out, as you move your, the CO2 in your body increases. And Mm -hmm. so you feel this like need for oxygen increase. And so for me, what I'm hearing in that example is like kind of a combination of like, oh, the mental aspect of like slowing yourself down, feeling more self-regulated and also like kind of offloading some of that CO2, which in, in the moment feels good, but isn't always necessarily the most beneficial thing. Mm-hmm. So like if you're in, you know, the CrossFit community, you know, Brian McKenzie talks a lot about this um, and, you know, he's very in much in the camp of like, you know, get really, really good at managing your CO2 and you will notice such major increases in a lot of like health levels. There are like books about this. Uh, There's a book called The Oxygen Advantage. It talks about managing your CO2 and being able to withstand a higher amount. And typically what we know is that people struggle with withstanding that, like that have a low CO2 tolerance because of improper breathing patterns. You know, we sit a lot right? and as, as just yes. a hum- our humanity in, in the U.S. You know, specifically. Um, we also have, you know, just dysfunctional breathing patterns because we breathe in and out of our mouths a lot um, because oftentimes we'll, um, you know, have issues in our nasal passageways. Uh, we won't have very open airways um, because our mouths are really small and um, our faces are kind of closed in because we eat a lot of soft food. So mm. We don't use our jaws a lot. So there's a lot of stuff around that in the book and another book called Breath uh, by James Nestor. Such a good one. I know. It's a good one. Uh, and so to me, what that sounds like is kind of a combination of a couple of different things of like that self-regulation, feeling more calm, uh, because I really feel like when we work out, we're kind of riding the line between, you know, that kind of parasympathetic, sympathetic state. So if I were to like have two blocks of those two sensations, then I would have a wave kind of going up and down Mm. in the middle of it because you're in control, you know, but you are definitely (laughs) upregulated. Right. Right. And so if we feel out of control and we feel very upregulated, we feel a little bit more in that panic state. Mm -hmm. Right. Like my panic attack is very different from the workout I did last night. Right. Right. That was a really long answer. (laughs) I loved it (laughs) because it made sense to me. Like that I think it, it connected everything that we had talked about um, before this and how the nervous system plays such a role. Mm -hmm. So like I said, I do want to give listeners just kind of a take home. What are some things that they can do? Maybe what are some um, 
triggers or signs that like, hey, I'm moving into this heightened state of arousal. Mm-hmm. Um, what what can I look for there? And then what are some practices? What are some things I can do to kind of self-regulate mm-hmm. and, and befriend the nervous system? Absolutely. So everything, in in my opinion, begins with that awareness. So you can't just hang out there. <laughs> you can't just be like, all right, I'm having a panic attack. <laughs> I'm yeah. super aware of it. <laughs> I'm having this panic cool, attack. Cool. That's helpful. <laughs> no, so begin with that awareness. Begin with that, with that body connection. And then what I always have clients move into, the next step, uh, I have this idea of the, kind of the mindful model of change. It's what I've created. This idea of from awareness, we move into compassion. Okay. Mm. And then we move into some action. So... That might look slow, that might look fast, but for so many people, they are aware of something and they're like, how do I fix it? Right. Right, Like right away. How do I get comfortable? Yeah. And you're like, okay, (laughs) let's slow down. (laughs) But I want it now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And there's so much really cool data around the concept of self-compassion and how it actually allows us to take action steps that are grounded in humanity, in our humanity, right? Isn't that so cool? And so... Before you run off and like try to do all the like the to-do list, have some compassion on where you're at right now. So you're like, okay, I'm aware that I'm feeling triggered, you know, in this environment because it's related to how I felt when I was a kid and or whatever, or like, oh, I feel panic when my boss like asked me about this thing that I haven't done yet. Oh yeah. Cause I feel like afraid to start it. Right. Or just whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. comes up for you. And so if you can come from that place of compassion, your action is grounded in reality and you can choose something that will actually be more like, you know, a little bit easier to achieve. Right. You know, so if somebody comes to me and they haven't worked out in 10 years and they're like, I'm going to run a marathon next month, I'm going to be like. Well, that is one way to try to get fit, but (laughs) that's not very realistic. Right. Right. And so how can we be kind and compassionate? Well, what if you sign up for 5K like two months from now and we, you know, started with a walk, we started with a couch to 5K program, like, and really felt okay that that is your process and, you know, really allow you to connect to um, your overarching goal is to feel healthier. It's not necessarily to like check the box and like, run another marathon. It's like actually just to feel good in your body long-term. So that's kind of the overarching like theme that I work on with a lot of clients. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, like I said, I talk about that a lot as well in my program, online program. And, you know, just takeaways that I would encourage people is, you know, what are some action steps that are grounded in compassion that will work for you? So is it, you know, do 10 minutes of breath work today, a day, do you put a sticky note in your car and you do five minutes of breath work in your car? You know, like what is it for you that's going to help you just to be a little bit more regulated and calm? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that we begin with awareness because like you have to know what it feels like to be calm. <laughs> you have to know what it feels like to yeah. be regulated. And so you have to know what, what it would be like for you to choose that. And, you know, so we have to be realistic about like where are you at and then how can we help you move into that space more gradually. Um, yeah, so I would encourage people to do like things that I do every single day. I breathe in and out through my nose for the most part, right? I only move into mouth breathing, obviously, when I'm talking right now. And then um, in workouts, if I move into like a really high um, gear, right? Like if I'm really working out and I need to use mouth breathing, then I'll use it. And... Um, that nasal breathing is a really good signal to your body that it's okay to be safe. Mm-hmm. I also breathe into my diaphragm and really try to expand my rib cage on my inhales. So I'm I have like movement. catching myself. I'm like, <laughs> right. what are my ribs doing? Right. 
it's a little different right now because we're having a conversation, we're doing this. And so it feels a little bit more sympathetic. Uh, And then the third thing I always tell people to do is extend your exhales out. So you want your exhale to be about double the length of your inhale. And there's other like, you know, kind of breathwork techniques within that. But that's something that I, um, you know, always emphasize as well. Within the, again, coming back to the concept of like, what's going to be realistic for you? What's going to be compassionate for you? And that's going to be what will allow you to actually change in the long term. Yes. It feels so much like habit forming. Mm -hmm. Um, And I write about, I've written about this a lot, like how much, I truly dislike the 30 day challenge Mm -hmm. because it feels like a challenge. And Mm -hmm. I know like every time I've so black and white, right? Yeah. Yeah. Every time I've done one day 31, like the wheels just, I go off. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And so it's like with diets that are super restrictive. Right. (laughs) Right. Eventually you crack and like, and then you feel like guilty and it's anyway. Yeah. And so what you're saying is finding a way and, and, cultivating this through self-compassion and understanding where in your day or where in your routine that this works for you and can Mm -hmm. stay consistent for you. Yes. Instead of just, I'm going to do all the things. Yes. Like I'm, because this is the challenge and this is what I'm supposed to do. It's like really working it into a way that is sustainable. It's sustainable. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love that. Yeah. Awesome. So I know we've talked about a little bit your online program. If people were interested in getting involved in that or connecting with you, how would they yeah, how would they do that? Absolutely. So I yep, have that online program, Regulate and Restore. You can, you know, find it through www.regulateandrestore.com. And then uh, you can also connect with me through social media. I'm on Instagram as at true core health. True is in true or false core is in your core and health is unhealthy all spelled correctly <laughs> <laughs> love that so many people are like is it true like t-r-u-e and i'm like no, no it's not <laughs> so um yeah people are welcome to that and you can also drop my email um people are welcome to shoot me an email if they want to awesome well i will link all of that in the show notes thank you so much for talking breath with me today i'm gonna go and breathe through my nose the rest of the day <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> i love it so glad to be here